Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host, and with me is a man that asked the age-old question, when did covering a gas pump handle with a plastic bag become the international sign of, we're out of gas? It's Dale. <laughs> Definitely. It's big time this year, wasn't it? Oh, man, we've been out of gas everywhere. Them damn yellow bags. <laughs> oh, yeah, they just put a bag over a handle and said, it makes you... You, you just, should know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. I just thought maybe it was out of them little gloves, you know, <laughs> for diesel pumps. <laughs> That's so crazy, man. Oh, Lordy. What's going on with you, dude? Oh, same old, same old. Working same a little old. bit, getting ready to do a podcast. What about yeah. yourself? Yeah, same thing, getting ready to record a podcast. That's right. Good stuff, man. Oh, yeah, we got some good stuff today. I'll tell you what, man, we've been having some good numbers, and we really appreciate each and every one of I'll you guys. I'll tell you, the numbers are just off the charts, guys. Love it, love it, love it. Yep. And all you guys. Yep, we love all of our listeners. Speaking of, I got a little shout out for. Uh, Friend a shout out. Yeah, it's yeah. not a, it's not bizarre Nate, is it? No, but I miss bizarre Nate. You know, he moved on from, uh, from his job. He moved to another job, so mm-hmm. I don't see him off now. But give a little shout out, bizarre Nate, for uh, just for being you. I just like saying bizarre Nate. Yeah, he's he's got to get the record here. So yeah. <laughs> I think he's proud of that. So anyway, we give a shout out to uh, Bisco guy, B I S C O G U Y. Bisco guy four twenty seven gave us a big five star review, and man, we really appreciate that. It just keeps on helping us out any which way you can do it. And thanks so much. Thank you, Bisco guy. So what we got going on today, man? Dale, something special. Something special. Tell something, me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Something special. Awesome. We have an exclusive interview with Kathy Gilchrist. Kathy Gilchrist. Now, if anybody don't know who Kathy Gilchrist is, she is the biological daughter of William Bradford Bishop. Wow. Who we covered in our last episode. Yep, last week. And she just, within the last couple weeks, it was confirmed by the FBI that she was his biological, or she is his biological daughter. Yes. Yep. And she lives right here in North Carolina? Yeah. Which is another little tidbit there it's yeah. kind of cool she lives down at carolina shores down on the coast wow kind of cool stuff so we are pleased to have kathy on the show today welcome to the show kathy well thank you very much for inviting me well thank you <laughs> it's pretty neat stuff absolutely we just curious and just right from the get-go tell us a little bit of background about you um okay well um i'm i'm not any different than than the person that i described in the book that i wrote yeah um i was born in 1957 in um i was actually born in massachusetts and i seemed to know during my whole life that i was an adopted child i was adopted by a wonderful wonderful hard-working um caring family they were unable to have children of their own um my father was a was a navy veteran and um, we thank him for his service yes 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 well he he was in world war ii and uh served in korea okay cool but uh in any case um they wanted to have a family and so uh they adopted my brother john and then later they filled out their family in those days it was pretty easy to uh to adopt children yeah and um they they raised me in the town they grew up in it was a very very typical um wholesome environment and because they knew so many people in town and because my (laughs) my last name was Sidebottom uh it seemed like I knew everybody or everybody knew me so um (laughs) You know, there was never any, uh, there was never any stigma in my mind about being an adopted child. Um, I think I was just always introduced as, you know, we adopted our children, and this is John, and this is Kathy, and and that's that. So, um, the so they only, were they they were pretty upfront from the get go. Up from the get go, yeah. Yes, okay, that's yes. cool. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, back in those days, the adoption agencies used to give each family a book. And the name of the book was The Chosen Baby. And, yeah, and it was designed because adoption was, you know, was fairly prevalent back then. Mm -hmm. Um, The the whole point was to make sure that children, you know, that their self-esteem was in check. And and, uh, unfortunately, it kind of backfired on me because I grew up thinking I was 
way more special than anybody else because I was chosen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <that was kind laughs> hey, it makes sense. A, yeah, I was kind of a bossy, uh, precocious child. Um, and I was very dramatic. And uh, that was a huge difference in my family because everybody was very humble and modest and quiet and unassuming. Um, and here I was just convinced I was going to replace um, Shirley Temple at some point. <laughs> um, <laughs> so life went on like that. My parents got used to my dramatic ways. Mm -hmm. um, and I went on to participate in all things theatrical through high school. And um, I majored in theater in college. I actually, you know, was fortunate enough to get a good scholarship at Boston University wow. at the School for the Arts. Um, yeah, I actually, um, Gina Davis, if you know who she is. Oh, yeah, she, yeah. She was my roommate. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. We both trained in theater at... Boston University so things were just moving along by that time my parents um, they had accepted the fact that this was going to be <laughs> my future um, and they were very supportive as was you know uh, everybody else in my extended family I was the youngest granddaughter of, of uh, 16 grandchildren so I was, felt like I was I was pretty indulged um, and the last, the last of the of the side bottom kids to come along. So, um, in any case, um, in this is this is pretty interesting because this is the first uh, reference to Brad Bishop. Um, it, if if you know about Bishop, those murders were committed on the first weekend in March of 1976. Yes, we do. Yeah. Yeah, well, as as um, coincidence would have it, um, I was doing probably the most wholesome thing a girl could do in on the first weekend in March of 1976, and I was being crowned Miss Stoughton 1976. That is so crazy. I know, so... Um, and, you know, the funny thing was I was kind of talked into it because I was, you know, I was a, a budding feminist of the 70s and I was living my bohemian life in Boston. But there was scholarship money uh, available and the Chamber of Commerce wanted to have this pageant because it was the sesquicentennial of the of the town of Stoughton, Massachusetts. It was a 250th anniversary. So... I've all I, I just think that's so so ironic that my birth father was doing the most heinous thing a person could be doing and I was dressed in red white and blue polyester um, <laughs> yeah you know doing something really wholesome yeah just um, something completely opposite way opposite completely spectrum. opposite yeah. completely <clears throat> opposite but in any case, you know, my life uh, continued. I, I had, uh, I got married, have children. I did a lot of performing, and and I, um, when my kids were born, I, I became a teacher, um, taught drama, taught. We moved to Georgia in uh, in 1993. We located to Georgia. Um, and then eventually up here to North Carolina, to I live in Carolina Shores. And um, it was during the time that, that at, right after I retired, that I said to myself, well, hmm, I wonder what I'm gonna do now. <laughs> I know I'm gonna move, I know I'm gonna retire, but what, you know, what, what's my next new adventure? And uh, so I, I, you know, those um, DNA tests, had become popular and yeah. I thought well you know I've, I've I I knew a little bit about my birth mother because my parents had been um, so wonderful that they even um, they sat my brother and I down at you know when they were when they were probably about the same age I am now but um, when they were 
when they were older, but they were healthy, and they just went over all their documents with us and, you know, filled us in on, on what their plans were in case anything should happen to them. And they handed me my adoption papers. Wow. And my my mom said to me, you know, we always thought it was weird that you never you never asked about who your parents were um, because your adoption is not sealed. Um, and in Massachusetts, hmm. uh, a law had passed that allowed um, adoptees to start seeking. Um, they were uh, could could see their birth certificates. As so, a matter of fact, so what name was on your birth certificate? Um, well, I didn't get my birth certificate for years later, but okay. um, my adoption papers, um, well, what I did was I contacted the adoption agency and I said, um, what's available to me? And they said, well, the first thing that we can send you is what we call non-identifying information. And that is all the information your birth mother gave to us mm. when she, you know, when she surrendered you for adoption or before, you know, she surrendered you when she made the plan. And so I had all the, I had lots of information actually about um, about her. I knew her name was Carol. Um, I knew kind of what she looked like. I knew about my grandparents, you know, who they were. I was originally from Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it was a man mentioned throughout this this document named Donald. And he talked. she talked a lot about this man, Donald, that he was tall and he was blonde and he had uh, two boys. And, but he was separated from his wife. And so I just accepted all of that as true. It also said that I had an older sister who had been, whose, whose name was Betsy. And she had been adopted. I mean, she had been left with her grandparents and um, while I was being born. And that there was a, a younger sister as well who was placed for adoption two years later. So, uh, you know, I took that, I was probably in my 40s at that time, and I took that information and, and you know, and, and it, it satisfied some curiosity, but I was always looking over my shoulder for these sisters, you know. Somebody out um, there that looked like you in a way, I guess. Exactly, exactly. And people were forever saying that to me because I have kind of one of those generic faces. Mm -hmm. um, so... In any case, thinking that that was all true, when I took the DNA test, um, I I did check the little box. This is 20 years later. I'm 60, and I, I'm checking the little box that said I was an adopted child, and yes, I would like to be um, made aware of any um, siblings. And so immediately the first cousin who popped up um, is my friend Susan, my friend, my cousin. She's my third cousin, Susan. And come to find out, she her um, avocation in life, her, her passion um, is genealogy. So we connected right away. She was very excited because I was part of her family tree. And the next family member who popped up was a sister. A half, well, it said cousin, but Susan had determined that um, that I didn't have any. Uh, both of my my parents, birth parents, were only children, so I had no aunts and uncles. I had no cousins, mm -hmm. so I knew that this person had to be a half sister. Right. And um, when I reached out to her, she was shocked because she said, "I don't." I know my sisters. No, there's uh, none of us were adopted. Come to find out, um, my birth mother had had three children that she placed for adoption, never told anyone else from her family. So I subsequently, I, I eventually, it took about six months. I mean, that, that half-sister of mine was traumatized. I bet. Because she found this story about her mother mm -hmm. um and of course now now that dna tests are so 
widely used, that's not unusual. People are finding all kinds of stuff, um, you know, that they never would have thought were, was true. There's no secrets anymore. But, um, you know, that was um, that was traumatizing for her. I bet. And it made me feel kind of, you know, obviously bad because I brought this upon them. But eventually, that, that was a nice story. Eventually, we all, you know, she they when they came around with the information and they said yeah i guess it's true because science doesn't lie in the meantime we um we discovered via those dna tests we discovered an older brother who had been placed for adoption before me mm. <laughs> And we still haven't found the other younger sister, but, um, and we did have a little reunion, but the big question was, what was mom doing with William Bradford Bishop? Um, and it took, to be honest with you, she, the person she described at great length in the, the, uh, in the testimony that she supplied to the adoption agent <laughs> was not my birth father. No. Mm. Now maybe she hoped he was my birth father. I I don't know, but well, that maybe wasn't she just him. she just thought he was the birth father maybe. Right. Well, we we think maybe it was an old boyfriend of hers and maybe she had hoped. Mm. I don't know, but but it it really threw a wrench in trying to find who my father was. A bit. Because not only did she give all this information and that kind of set my cousin Susan, who was searching for my father, um, set her on a wild goose chase. Um, but when I finally got my birth certificate, another name was on there. Oh, not wow. even, <laughs> not Bishop, not the man she described, somebody else. Mm. So, I, you know, that's a bizarre story. That was a very, very bizarre story alone before I even knew that Bishop was my father. So tell us about um, when your cousin Susie came mm -hmm. to you and, and she found out that Bradford Bishop the, was your biological well, father. <laughs> she, um, we had become pretty close. And as I say, it well, she lived in Maine and I lived in Georgia. But um, we talked. I had actually even gone up to Maine to meet with her at, at, at one point. Um, cause I visited, I visit New England now and then I have family there. And, um, anyway, she finally called me and she said, are you sitting down? Are you sitting down? And I said, um, well, I'm in my car. And she <laughs> says, no, I think, <laughs> I think you better go home. And, and, or I think I better call you back when you're home. And I said, now, Susan, <laughs> Susan you can't do that <laughs> sitting on yeah, the couch I, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I said, um, that's not, now I know you're onto something and I, you know, I'm on my way to meet with some friends. So you got to tell me whatever it is you want to tell me. So she says, okay, okay. I finally found your father. And I said, oh, cool. And in my typical crazy way, I just said, is he somebody famous? And um, she, she kind of laughed. She said, well, yeah, yeah. She says, I'll let you Google him yourself. Oh, wow. And, and, she, and she gave me that name, William Bradford Bishop. Have you, heard of, said, have you ever heard of William Bradford Bishop before? You know... I was I was 19 years old when when those when the murders occurred and I think that I probably heard something about it on the news because I kind of vaguely remember but no the as a matter of fact I was a, a English and drama teacher so when I thought William Bradford I thought about Plymouth Plantation and, <laughs> and I said in Massachusetts, I said, oh, I'm a Mayflower de descendant. <laughs> and she said, well, yeah, but that's not the big deal. And when, so I, I put in his name and up popped his FBI wanted poster. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I looked at that face and I said, oh, he has my face. Mm. That's, oh, my gosh, that's really him. And um, wow, it was it was crazy. It was crazy. Uh, due to my very dramatic nature, 
of course I react. I just said, um, oh my gosh, of course, so many bizarre things happen to me. Of course, <laughs> of course he is my father. Um, and I was meeting, you know, we laugh, uh, we laugh because um, Susan actually helped edit the book that I wrote too. She's also an, a, a good editor. Mm -hmm. And she says her favorite line is, I had the best, I was meeting my my friends for lunch and I knew I was going to have the best story at, at the lunch table. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> because my father was a murderer. Walk in um, and say, y'all not going to believe this. <laughs> no, you really aren't going to get. Yeah, as a matter of fact, when I said, guess what, guys? And they go, well, you know, you've had so many crazy things happen in your life lately, so we can only imagine. I said, I found my birth father. And actually, one of my friends says to me, so help me, Kathy, if you try to tell me it's Donald Trump, <laughs> I'm not going to. No, no, no. I said, it's even better than that. <coughs> so, um, yeah, we followed that story. I did, um, I did a lot of research. I had no idea that he was, you know, such a cult figure. Mm -hmm. um, as I say, a frequent flyer on all of those um, those investigative shows. So, um, you know, then then the pandemic, and, and I, I I kept talking to people about. It. I said, "You want to hear a weird story?" <laughs> and there were so many people who like they'd either not believe me. <laughs> They'd say, no. I said, okay, then look at the picture. And when you look at the picture, I have exactly the same mouth. I have a mole on my face in exactly the same place that he does. And um, when I really dug into some of his personality characteristics, I have no homicidal tendencies. I, I taught public school for years and I never killed anybody. So, <laughs> well, that <laughs> and I that. teenagers. I taught teenagers. Right. So, um, you know, uh, if I got through that, then I, I'm really never going to kill anybody. <laughs> but I, <laughs> but we do share a whole lot of similarities. I mean, almost, almost weird creepy similarities that wow. um yeah it's obvious that uh it's obvious he's my father um and and so people kept saying you gosh you need to write a book about this and then the pandemic hit and i was retired and i had been an english teacher and i said you know i could write a book about this now's the time to do it right <laughs> so i did and uh and it was published and um, and then what happened was um, a local a local newscaster here in um, Wilmington, North Carolina, because where I live is halfway between Wilmington and Myrtle Beach. Mm -hmm. um, she came down and did an interview. I mean, it was even an outside interview on a chilly March day, um, and about you know bishop she was a true crime junkie and she was like wow this is just such a bizarre story and then her story went on the news and it just it just went viral and i can't believe the phone calls that i, I mean the new york times interviewed me um, Crazy. i did talk shows in australia i mean it was it was it was crazy because people are so into this, but um, there's been a lot of things. Actually, I don't know if you if you saw the recent. There was a, a recent um, story aired in Washington D.C. area. Um, a, a reporter from um, NBC Universal actually came down here to Carolina Shores and did the interview because. Um, one of the, well, I kept calling the FBI because I, I'm a good citizen and you're supposed to report things like that, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and I actually even called, I don't know how much you know about all the background, but I called Detective Popkin at the Montgomery County Sheriff's Department. He is still there and he was the investigator at the time of the murders um and i asked many times um is there any way that you can compare 
my DNA with DNA from the crime scene. And um, actually, I was told by pretty much everybody, no, that's, there's legal ramifications. We, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, well, I don't know. That seems like that might not be so difficult. So it was just kind of frustrating me because I thought, you know, if, if I was born and I, and I was born in between his junior and senior year at Yale. Okay. And I, I figured that out before it was confirmed because I just did the math um, and I read in some research that he left Yale in May of 1957. Mm-hmm. And that he, what, he, what he told them was he had to go home, there was a family emergency and he was needed at home and that he didn't have the money to continue and he went home for a year and then he came back the next year. Well, I was born in June of 1957. So it kind of made sense to me that he would leave town. <laughs> that he would leave Connecticut and go back to Pasadena uh, to escape paternity um, if he knew there was a child. Yeah. So, um, and, and when everything started coming out, I actually... Um, I heard from a cousin of mine, I know I have cousins now, um, her name is Judy, and her mother was Bish, was Brad's first cousin. So she called me out of the blue, she was in Montana, and she said, you're, my co- you're our cousin. There's a bunch of us here, we've been living under this dark shadow of what Brad did. And we're just thrilled that you're here because, you know, maybe not, you know, because you really are our cousin and maybe this will be a bright light. Um, but they confirmed the fact that there was no reason for him to have to go home. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so that, I guess, was a well-kept secret. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but, then the FBI, <laughs> but then the FBI came to my house just one day. Um, I was actually out getting a um, COVID vaccine. I had to drive quite a ways to get one. And um, they came, my husband was home and they knocked, you know, these two gentlemen knocked on the door and they said, is Kathy Gilchrist home? And my husband just kind of, I'm sure when he told me he was rolling his eyes, he says, oh, this is about her and her crazy father and her crazy book and um (laughs) he said yeah and they said well we need some questions he goes i know probably about william bradford bishops and they said yeah she says well she's not home and so they started to ask him questions says no you need to talk to her or you need to talk to her cousin susan they know the whole story and eventually i did go into the um I went to the FBI office in Wilmington. Um, I brought, <laughs> I have a daughter um, who lives in Wilmington and I brought her with me. She she says, whose who's mother calls them up and says, will you go to the FBI with me? <laughs> um, <laughs> but my husband didn't want to go. So she went with me. I said, make sure I just don't talk too much or something. Um, and that, officer at that FBI agent said would you consider giving us a sample of some cheek cells we'd like to send them off to Quantico and see if they match and I just looked at him and I didn't say I've been asking for this for three years (laughs) but I said I'd be more than happy to so um he and, and they were wonderful. But the local guys were wonderful. They gave me phone numbers. They said, "Listen, you know, this is a dangerous guy. If anything out of the ordinary, or if anybody makes you uncomfortable, call us immediately." Um, but I, I don't think he's gonna appear by any means mm-hmm. um, because he would have no, you know, he would have no reason to, other than wanting to see this child of his. Right. But. Um, in any case, they did send it off to Quantico, and um, an agent in Washington, D.C. called me and told me 
that they were quite surprised, but I actually, we were a match. So what they're thinking now, um, I do get some unusual phone calls um, from people claiming to know my father. Um, One was really, this, this man started calling me on Mother's Day. And he called six, and I don't answer my phone if I don't know who it is because yeah, <laughs> someone's me. trying to sell me a car warranty or something. So, yeah, yeah, we get um, those too. You know how that works. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, he called me six times, and he kept saying, "I have information about your father, and I, you know, I really want to share it with you. I think you really want to hear this." And uh, I just forwarded those messages to the FBI because I just, you know, didn't know quite what to do with it. And I wasn't going to engage with somebody, you know, if I didn't know what was going on. So they eventually said the best thing to do if you if you are okay with engaging with him is try to tape record the phone call. And then we can, you know, we can go from there and try to check it out. And uh, this man was calling from Wisconsin And he said that he swore that Bishop lived out in the woods of Wisconsin. Oh, man. Um, And that he had had pictures, and he sent pictures. And um, he swore it was him. Um, And he wanted me to send some of my DNA so he could get it compared with Mm. DNA from my you know, from Brad's cigarette butts and Coke cans and things like that. Um, but I really didn't want to take it that far. I just yeah. wanted to have him um, <clears throat> checked out. Uh, but he had a lot of personal information about my father, which wow. granted there's a lot there, but um, that's the closest, you know, in my in my gut, I feel like he's still alive. Um. I have a feeling he might be living in Europe. Yeah. Because that would be really easy for him to live in Europe. He was pretty fond of Europe, I think. Yeah, yeah he really liked Europe a lot, and he spoke five languages, and and he was used to finding his way around, and he has that diabolical mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very brilliant. Um, so, and you know, there was another man who called me um, from Nevada, and he said... I'm an EMT, and I, I swear about a year ago I treated um, I treated William Bradford Bishop. He said he said I took pictures of his chart, I sent them to the FBI, and nobody's ever talked to me hmm. about it. So I you know I don't know that the original um, FBI agent who contacted me he was really excited. He said. You know, you could be a lead in finding him, especially if he had any other children. Yeah, that's what me and Dale were talking about earlier. We was going to ask you if, if you yeah. knew that if he, if he had any other children. Um, I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't. If he was, I mean, he was a he wasn't he was known to be a womanizer, to, you know, to begin with. Right. So it wouldn't surprise me to find out. That there are other children somewhere, maybe not even in this country. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so it's it's a pretty bizarre, <laughs> it's a pretty bizarre story. Kathy, why, um, do you, why do you think that he came to North Carolina to dispose of the bodies? Why, you do you know, have any theory I, on um, that? That is the weirdest thing, and I don't know... Um, I was slated to go up there and meet with that family um, because they called me. And uh, well, the daughter, the daughter of the the poor forest ranger who found those bodies, yeah. um, she called me and she said, um, "Wow, maybe we can finally get some some kind of closure on this." She says. My father was traumatized for his entire life. And she says, I was just a little a, a baby. But she said, I grew up knowing how much this haunted him. And she says, we'd like to, we have stuff we want to show you. And we want to take you to the place 
Wow. You know, to to the whole, (laughs) Um, to show you that it was such a remote. She she said there is no way anyone would know um, where this spot is without being told. Mm -hmm. He said she said it just wasn't. It just isn't a random. I mean it. You have to take a special road down there to this particular, you know, spot. You have to know it's um, there. Right. You have to know it's there. Yeah, and available. Mm-hmm. So, and and her mother, um, I spoke to her too. Um, she's, they were very, they were very frightened that they thought Brad might come after them. Yeah. Because they had found, you know, uh, the forest ranger, because... He had found the evidence of the bodies. Right. And her mother to this day swears that station wagon pulled into their driveway. Oh, wow. So I was supposed to go up there, but unfortunately, um, they have a lot of COVID cases up there right now. Yeah. So, um, I mean, they just really wanted, they, they just really want to be heard. Um, you know, and uh, and just trying to help a little bit solve the case, I guess, too, right? Yeah, yeah, or at least um, you know their involvement in it some way to be to to have yeah. it resolved. Yeah. You yeah. know, if, if he would never set that fire, they would have never found him. That's right. So why on earth would he do that? I don't know. It's it's a. I think okay. So I think only because I <laughs> speaking as his daughter. Um, I think he had a lot of theatricality about him. Um, not so much that he was an actor, but I think he played, I think he took on a few different personas. Right. I think he, I, th- I think he enjoyed the fact that he pulled this off. Um, and so maybe he just wanted to get a little more attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, why would he leave that bottle, the prescription bottle of pills, in his car? Exactly. You know, I feel like he was saying, "Ha, huh, look what I did!" Because, you know, I still don't know whether he was, whether he was bitter about his job change um, and the fact that he didn't get the promotion that he wanted to get. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he was bitter about that. Uh, and this was his way of getting back at the government. Of course, there's, <laughs> I've also heard from um, a couple of people. Of course, they're they're getting up there in age now. Um, but I've heard from some people who knew him, who a college roommate. Um, I've talked to him and a friend of his who was a professor at in Botswana when he was, you know, living in there. Um, and they've contacted me, and, and a few of them have alluded to the fact that they were pretty convinced he was doing CIA work. Yeah. So who knows? There could be there could be another story. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of conspiracy theories. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not 100% convinced that the FBI is really following through on anything. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to think, I mean, I, I can be very forgiving about whatever happened in 1977 It was a long, or 1976. It was a long time ago. And maybe there were some mistakes made. Maybe there, but I mean, the technology that we have now wasn't in existence then. I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's it's certainly a mystery. But I was sent um, a package of information from a guy who um, grew up right across the street from Brad. Um, he said that Brad's mother, she seems like a saint. Her name was Obelia. Mm-hmm. Um, that Brad's mother was a second mother to everybody on the in the neighborhood, and. Um, in this pet he said all these years i've saved all kinds of things and he says i realized he says now i'm 87 years old i don't know what to do with it so i'm going to send it to you and um looking through i i still haven't read all of it but um 
Oh, this every newspaper article or copies of every newspaper article that was published around the murders and and then the subsequent, you know, like every 10 years or so it, it gets in the news again. Um, but there's also handwritten letters from Lobelia wow. um, written to his mother and um, and they 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 contain a lot of information because apparently she visited them in uh in europe at several times and she would talk about different things that brad was doing at his job and so you know there's a lot to go through there but there might be some clues could be um yeah yeah um and he also told me that he was very he he actually he was it it was very sweet he was concerned about my children and their sanity and 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 myself and my sanity hmm. <laughs> and um i mean i i talk in the book about suffering from the exact same symptoms of anxiety and and depression and insomnia that my father did at exactly the same age um which is which is weird um and of course it's not the stigma stigma now that it was i mean all teachers have insomnia but no, of course <laughs> that it was in the 70s but um he said that brad's brad's father um that insanity ran in his family. He said, you know, he says, your grandfather, Brad's father, killed himself. She said, he said, you'll never see that in the news. It says he had a heart attack, but he had no heart issues. Wow. Um, he said, we think, we're, we're pretty sure he killed himself. And he said, he was a, a very odd person. And that <laughs> Brad's grandmother, for a period of time, lived with them. And she would never wear her clothes. So she was always running naked through the house. So this poor man was worried that that insanity was, you know, being passed genetically. Yeah. <laughs> I said, well, you know, we're all kind of a little bit crazy here, but I think we're okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. um, but it's interesting. I just keep picking up little tidbits of, of information. That's, um, that's good, too, people reaching out to you and trying to trying to help me i know you get the weirdos and the crazies out there but you know right that's but, why i don't answer the first yeah, time <laughs> yeah but uh just a couple last questions uh there's reported that brad was seen in north carolina with a, a dark-skinned woman that's right it, it, do you believe there's any truth to that or what what's your yeah. thoughts on that oh well you know from what i've seen of him um in my research um well first of all if he had an affair with my birth mother that resulted in a child and at the same time he was maintaining a long distance relationship with his girlfriend in California mm -hmm. we, then that doesn't you know <laughs> that shows that his sense of ethics might not and, and I know it only takes once and we still don't know how they ever got together but um there were there were a lot of uh, allusions to the fact that he was he was a womanizer. He had he had affairs, and so that doesn't surprise me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he loved he loved living. Africa was one of the, his favorite places to live, and um, he, he they had been there. The family had been there for a while, and who knows? Maybe he had somebody. That he had met there, who came to America, it, that that doesn't surprise me at all. Hmm. Um, not at all. So yeah, I don't know what happened to her. I you know I don't yeah. know if she stayed. If she stayed with him, um, yeah, that was pretty bold. He made some bold moves for the 1970s. I mean, first of all, just even. Even admitting that he was suffering from depression and anxiety and seeking help, that isn't something your usual run-of-the-mill no, it's not, it's not. 35-year-old man did in the, you know, in the 70s. Especially working for um, the State Department. There's also some theories that, that the government wanted him gone because he, 
his character was an embarrassment to the U.S. Mm. government. I mean, how much, how much they're really, you know, how much credence that is, or I don't know. Um, but there, I also got a call from a, a, um, a reporter in, he lives in L.A. now, but he had done an extensive um, report on, on the case. And um, he said that there are some recordings of phone calls that he made to some buddies out in California saying, I have really screwed up. I am in some big trouble. Mm. But how, you know, how to listen to those, I, I don't know. I do, I do honestly believe it would be really easy for him to get out of town. He would figure out a way. He was a... You know, he was trained to. Oh yeah, he's a very <laughs> he was smart man. To stay under the yeah, yeah to, well, to well, stay yeah. under the radar. And That's what he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kathy, so, tell us um, tell us a little bit about your book and how our listeners can get a hold of it. Oh yeah, fill the us book in. It's called um, it's called it's in my genes. It's G E N E S. It's um, it's available on Amazon. It's available through books of uh, books a million. Um, it's available on Kindle, uh, so it's pretty easy to uh, it's pretty easy to to get a hold of. It's uh, as I said, it's not the you know the it's not the the great American novel, but people have told me that it's got a pretty good rating. <laughs> um, and it talks about it. It talks not so much about Brad Bishop as it talks about the whole process of of. DNA testing and um, and nature versus nurture like you know when you're raising children mm-hmm. um, you can you know my parents as I say my they'll always be my mom and dad my adoptive parents they were such great role models and they raised me to you know to to respond in certain ways but basically who I am is what's what's in my genes exactly. is what's in my DNA um, and that fortunately I used and that I think I have a lot of the same skills my father had fortunately I used them in a positive way mm-hmm. and he probably used his in a positive way but I you know the more I looked at him I think he 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 could be a chameleon so um, that's what it looks like it looks it, it talks about me as a kid and what how I grew up and about my parents background and then it talks about my other set of parents background and then I just kind of put it together and say well okay so you know be careful what you look what you look for (laughs) is one warning that I tell people these the the DNA tests are not a joke you know (laughs) they're um, science doesn't lie so um, if I had found out that information when I was 20, I'd probably be a very different person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being older and wiser and, and pretty well established in, in, in my own identity, it was okay. I wasn't, because even the FBI agent, when she called me and she told me, you know, that it was a match, she said, are you okay with this information? She said, you seem pretty well adjusted. I said, oh yeah. I said, you know, I'm okay. I, it's 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 interesting, and I wish that I could help some people who were very badly hurt as a result of what he mm. did. And, I've, and of course, I'd love to solve the mystery. Of course. And maybe maybe I you know um, I, I'm about to sign a um, a contract that a, a television documentary is going to get started and. You know, the more the story gets out here, maybe maybe we will get to maybe we will get to um, to solve it, and maybe some people will get their their vindication. Um, but it's a lot of people are very badly hurt, yeah, obviously, and, and traumatized. Yeah. Well, Kathy, I got one last question. Has the sure. has the FBI told you anything that you can't tell anybody about Brad Bishop <laughs> that? <laughs> Um, you know, no. At first, when I actually knew um, in June that uh, that the FBI had confirmed it, and um, it was suggested 
that um, it be kept quiet for a while. Okay. And that was, and 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 the reason was that they were expecting a media circus. Yeah. <laughs> So just last week, a story came out in uh, in D.C. and he because he interviewed the FBI and they did announce it. And it hasn't been the media circus that came out the, when the first story came out. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I would like to, you know, the pandemic is really putting a cramp in all of this because I would like to go up to Maryland and talk to some people and, you know, um. Well, maybe it'll, happen, maybe it'll happen pretty soon, right? Yeah, yeah it's pretty wild just uh, to do that DNA thing, looking for possible siblings, and then run into all this is just kind of overwhelming, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you've really been a trooper as far as tracking down every little piece of info you can get. It's pretty. It's a pretty great story. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, my my cousin does, as I say, she's the one that does all the. She did all the research because that's not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> I I provided the saliva, and she, <laughs> she did the research. I think you said uh, you just spit in a tube, right? <laughs> all I did was spit in a tube. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And look what happens. Wow. Yeah. Well, Kathy, we certainly certainly appreciate you being on our little podcast. Well, thank you. I appreciate being the uh, given the opportunity. Yes. Take care and have a great night. All right. You too, Kathy. You too. Thanks okay. so much. Good talking to you. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. 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 All right, Dale. That is our interview with Kathy Gilchrist. Man, that was great. I'll tell you, she's just super, super nice lady. Yeah, can't thank, can't thank her enough. That yep. was just super. I and more information that I could possibly wanted. Yeah. I mean, she answered all of our questions. And then some. Oh, yeah. Full of knowledge. And I hope that she finds answers to what she's looking for and also uh, everybody check out her book we'll yep. put a, a link in description in our show notes and we'll post it on our social media so yeah, everybody for sure for sure everybody can have a get a copy of her book get a gander at it it's in her jeans that's it it's in her jeans <laughs> all right Dale, we're gonna get out of here all right man let's roll we want everyone to be safe be careful and always be aware of your surroundings because the next episode could be about you this is the, the crack, crack house chronicles, chronicles.